When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Something Rhymes with Purple. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, I wasn't there last week because I didn't have the home recording kit uh, that I needed to uh, to speak with Giles. And for obvious reasons, we're not in the same place. We are in our respective recording studios, makeshift recording studios. And um, Giles, you're there, aren't you? I'm quite excited about my studio. I've been busy well, me. setting it up. It's rather splendid. It's in an upstairs room. This was my daughter's bedroom that I'm now in mm-hmm. because it's still got sort of soft furnishings around it, which I'm told are rather good. I, I've made it to look like a, a one-show studio because I've been doing reports <laughs> for the one show on television. So I put ah, up... you've been doing your yoga. Uh, yeah, and, I'm, and I've been doing yoga as well. Anyway, I put up sort of one-show uh, things all over the room and mm-hmm. uh, it's quite exciting in its nice. own way. But I'll tell well, you what I wanted saying. to ask you about this week. Okay. Because... This is amazing that we can speak to one another with this incredible newfangled technology. You are there in Oxford. I'm in London. We're talking, I think one of the systems we're using today is something called Zoom that -hmm. I hadn't heard of until about two weeks ago. Mm. Now, I found on Mothering Sunday, my whole family, we got together on Zoom, four different households, four different pictures. We had the same meal, the same Mothering oh, Sunday did, brunch. Oh, everyone got the same meal. That's really, so God, that's and we, pretty organised. And we chatted at the same time. And we're meeting during the week in, uh, not not every night. You can have you can have too much of family, can't you? But we're, yes. we're meeting quite regularly uh, to have a little cocktail. And it's proving fun. But I was thinking, this is new. I mean, do you happen to know where the word Zoom comes from? Uh, well, I'm not sure about the um, the name of the the app, but I can tell you Zoom itself uh, yeah. is a bit like Zip. So uh, dates from the tw- 1920s, and it's just sound moving through the air rapidly. In fact, I think it was the Zip itself, the Zip, the fastener that appeared in about the 1920s. I think this idea of speed, this onomatopoeic word, was around for about 100 years before. But yeah, it's all about speed, and then f- I guess from that, the idea of kind of increase then applied to you know magnitude and zooming in on something as well. Um, so that's where that comes from. But I haven't set the scene where I'm sitting. Mine's much more. Boring than yours. I'm sitting in my study, if you like. This is where I normally work. This is where I write, etc. Um, which is not very interesting, except I have lots of props from the comedy version of Countdown, the programme that I work on. So this is um, a bit of a late night version of the game show um, Countdown, which you and I met on. And I've got lots of strange props. So I've got a little kind of Barbie doll version of me, except predictably I don't look anything like Barbie. I've got a little dictionary in my hand and um, I've got that on my shelf. I've got a huge pinata version of myself, which is actually extremely scary. And I've got a balloon version of myself, which has steadily withered over time and shrunk. And this is a kind of a perfect metaphor for age because I started off being quite sort of full and and healthy looking. And now I literally am a shriveled, thimble-sized thing on my shelf. So that's where I'm sitting, looking at all those things. 
Well, I have to say, in person, you are perfect. There's nothing of the shriveled <laughs> balloon about you. Like Do you have, room. though, a uh, blow-up Jimmy Carr doll? Uh, no. It's the very simple answer to that. Moving swiftly on. You don't you even have a plasticine version of him that you can stick pins into. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to stick pins in Jimmy. I, I want um, you to tell me something. I've got another yes. question for you. We've okay. done Zoom, but I yes. was reflecting how the world has changed. 140 years ago or so, the telephone came upon us. Yes. Um, and I, uh, making a film for the one show, I once came across the very first public telephone to be used in London. Oh. You can still see it. If you could go to this hotel, which you can't at the moment because it's closed, mm. but when you can next go to Brown's Hotel, which is uh, off Piccadilly, you can find at Brown's Hotel, they still have this hotel first used by the, this telephone, first used by Alexander Graham Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people who use that very telephone include Arthur Conan Doyle and Oscar oh. Wilde. Amazing. amazing people use this very telephone. But I was wondering what is the origin of the word telephone? A telephone is simply from the Greek for far away, which is the tele bit, and a phon or phonos, which is sound. Um, so you'll find that phon in um, homophone, um, symphony, which is, you know, sound together, uh, etc. So it's been quite a useful word, that one. But it simply means to have sound from far away, which is pretty much what it's doing. We should say that the subject of today's podcast um, we thought was rather suitable because it's all about technology technology, isn't it? What we're using to speak to each other. Very good. The telephone it's or the dog and bone, as they yes. call it. In co- that's yes. simply cockney rhyming slang, isn't it? And when you when you answer the telephone your end, what do you say? Do you say hi, hello? What well, do you say? when I answer the landline, I used to say, hello, it's either going to be Nicholas Parsons or Barry Cryer, <laughs> because only people over the age of 80 ever seem to use the landline nowadays. I don't have a landline. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. The only people who use the landline seem to be older people. That has mm. rather changed. And people seem to be, during this coronavirus crisis, a lot of people are rediscovering the telephone. Yeah. And people are making traditional calls. Did you see the photograph of the Queen in the newspaper? I know, I was going to say, she had the most wonderful old-fashioned telephone, didn't Absolutely. she? Absolutely. And yes. she was talking to the Prime Minister, who I noticed was talking to the Queen, albeit remotely, but with his hand in his pocket. I didn't feel that was. I didn't feel that was quite on, did you? (laughs) Anyway, okay. um, I suppose he was helping. But but older people still rely on the telephone. They like a telephone. So I've been making lots of calls and receiving lots of calls recently on the telephone. In fact, I had a call with the great Barry Crow this week because uh, last Monday, you know, Monday of last week was his eighty fifth birthday. Yes. And we should say for um, people who aren't familiar with Barry Cryer, gosh, how can we describe him? He's one of the funniest, most generous people I think I've ever had the pleasure to sit next to on Countdown. Oh, his his CV would go on for pages. He has worked with everybody from yeah. Bob Hope and Jack Benny onwards. Uh, but he told me, he said, you know, I'm feeling, I'm getting old, I'm feeling a bit frail now. In fact, he says he's got so old, he doesn't know how long he's got. In fact, he claims that he, these days, he doesn't even buy a green banana. Can't risk it. <laughs> so, I love that. Well, you say hello when you answer the dictionary. When people first... When I answer the dictionary, I say, I oh, the, if only telephone. it was Susie, it would be a talking dictionary. When I answer the telephone, I say <laughs> hello. So true. It's so true. Well, I've only got the dictionary to talk to these days. Um, so, yes, when they first used the telephone, people quite liked the idea of ahoy. Oh, you're uh, 
No, ahoy. So that was the preferred greeting of Alexander Graham Bell. Um, you mean, forgive it, me for interrupting, I know I shouldn't, but uh, ahoy, as in ahoy there, my Ahoy hearties. there, a, yes. A, a, a term from the nautical term. From the high seas, exactly. Whereas hello was, it kind of became formal when the telephone was invented, uh, finally, ultimately, but it was very popular in street slang. So perhaps Graham Bell thought it wasn't quite formal enough for this new, uh, very sophisticated invention. What's um, the origin of ahoy? Uh, ahoy is simply a version of hello. It's, it's again, it's a kind of cry. All those cries like hello, holla, which used to be a hunting cry, those go back for to a period of a very long time ago. So they've been around with us for ages. And goodbye, as you know, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, is from God be with you. So that was very much a kind of go go with God signing off. But hello had been there long before and uh, was simply a shout that was then kind of picked up. And there were so many versions of it, uh, many of which we have today. And howdy, if anyone uses that still, was how do you do? How do you do? Um, so anyway. I do a lot of signing off. I do a lot of saying cheers. Bye now. Cheers. Oh, cheers. So that's from what cheer. I think I've mentioned before that watcher uh, which was the kind of, you know, the slang greeting of the 80s and 90s, Watcher. That comes from what cheer, which was centuries older, meaning how are you? What kind of mood are you in? Um, your cheer was your face and it became a metaphor for your kind of, your soul or the state of your spirit, really. And then cheers was kind of a, a riff on that, really. And then it became a byword for um, for thanks. But in the olden days, at the same time as people were greeting with ahoy, they would finish their conversation with that is all which I quite like. Oh, very Blunt, nice. But to the point. That nice and all. final. That is it all. Is. Is, is. is cheerio a version of cheers? Yes, cheerio is, I think that was popularised by soldiers during World War One. actually. Like toodle pip as well. Toodle pip is um, like the kind of pip pip of a horn as you're tootling off. I thought cheerio was came from the sort of 17th, 18th century in England when people were transported by those sedan chairs, you know, before the advent of the, the hackney carriage, the taxi. Mm. You, you'd stand at your open door or window and you'd call for one of these chairs, sedan chairs, going, chair ho, chair ho. Uh, uh, and over time, chair ho turned into cheerio. But is that an urban myth? I think it sounds very much like one of those great stories. I'm going to double check now on the OED. So that's, that's something quite useful here because I'm sitting at my desk with the OED as always. In fact, can you hear me clicking? There you go. Yeah. Uh, cheerio. Okay, so the first record of Cheerio was in 1852, but it was to express not good wishes on parting, but jubilation. So it's like cheery ho. Then in about 1914, it became a kind of farewell thing. And apparently it's an alteration of Chiro, which began on the high seas as well, used as a friendly greeting. And it is a riff on what cheer. Yes, watcher. Good. So forget so, my yeah, cheer. With the hoe, with Urban the no, myth. Forget it's it. nice. All those stories are great. I like them. But is Give Me a Bell connected with Alexander Graham Bell or is it the bell, the ringing of the bell in the old telephones when it rang? What's the... You know, when people used yeah. to say... Give me a bell, meaning... Definitely the latter. Uh, not oh. a riff on his name, but it's great that his name was that, really. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. More of our um, nominative determinism, which our listeners love. Purple people love that, do you remember? I do. We had that whole competition. Because of people who's, the great who's Alexander Graham Bell, yeah. is, he is credited with inventing the first practical telephone, isn't he? And yes. I think he was the co-founder of the big American telephone and telegraph company. 
Um, ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. No relation okay. to uh, Alexander Graham Belowski, who, of course, was the original telegraph pole. Oh, did you yeah. just make that up just then? There you are. No, I got it from a Christmas cracker <laughs> about 40 years ago. I like that one. Um, have you ever used Skype? Skype is quite a nice one. I didn't know. I had to look this up. That Skype comes from Sky Peer to Peer. Um, so that's all about its technology. And initially it was Skyper, but the domain name was taken, so they had to take the R off. Skype. I'm doing all of these things. I'm doing Skype. I'm doing Zoom. Mm-hmm. I'm doing FaceTime. FaceTime, and, and that's on yes, an Apple product. Product and Apple was named by Steve Jobs during one of his fruitarian diets. Oh, there you go. Anyway, carry on. Now, I was going to say uh, uh, this is taking me back. All this technology here, playing with all this stuff, it's it's a nightmare because normally I rely on my grandchildren for this. They would yes. have fixed everything. They'd have made my studio work in a matter of moments. It's taken me days to do it because I come from the Morse code generation. When uh-huh. I was a little boy in the 1950s, I learned the Morse code. Now Did I find that people haven't it? heard of the Morse code. Middle-aged people think that Morse was a detective on television <laughs> played by John Thor. Nobody seems <laughs> to have heard of Samuel Morse, who I think was the co-developer of the Morse code. Uh, yeah. he, that dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 SOS. Did you, um, did you honestly learn Morse code? Of course. When I was in the Cub oh. Scouts... We, you could get a badge for learning the Morse code. Uh, and, and basically, it's different letters of the alphabet is, is given a different symbol with a dot or a dash. Um, yeah. Anyway, he was a remarkable man, Samuel Morse. He was. And in order to give the simplest codes to the letters he used most often, he drew up a chart by counting the numbers of letters in sets of printers type. So... In some ways, he used the same system that we use for the modern typewriter and the QWERTY keyboard. But did you know that umpteen, the word umpteen, is a word that has its roots in Samuel Morse's code? Because he invented it in, what, the 1830s, I think? And Morse code itself became known as Iddy Umpty, thanks to the kind of stuttering sounds of its dits and dars. And a dash became known as an umpty which led to it being used for an unspecified or impossibly large number. So umpteen was just a riff off idiumpty. That's extraordinary. Nice that, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, you know the NATO alphabet, do you? you I, know, yes. A for Alpha, in, B for Bravo, yes. C for Charlie. Yes. How far yes. down that alphabet can you get? You know I have these different games for getting to sleep. Yes. Delta, and, Echo, Foxtrot... I think I might struggle with G. Uh, Golf. Golf. Go on. Of course. Golf. um, God, no, obviously I'm not doing very well, middle of the alphabet. Um, What's interesting hmm. is that I used to wake up at six in the morning and I always thought it was the aeroplanes flying over. We don't have any aeroplanes flying over now. I'm still waking up at six in the morning. Uh, (laughs) So I'm now trying to get to sleep going Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel, India, Juliet, Kilo, Lima, Mike, November, Oscar, Papa, Quebec, Romeo, Sierra, Tango. Amazing. What's you? What's you? What's you? You is... Oh, uniform. 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 V for Victor, W for Whiskey. Whiskey. X for... X-ray? X-ray. And I think it's Yankee next. It is Yankee Yankee and then Zulu, isn't it? Yankee Zulu. Yes. Very good. But very good. I was in the middle of the alphabet. I was lost there. What's I? I is India. Oh, India. Okay. As I recall. There may be versions of this. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was introduced, I think, in the 1950s. Can I tell you one of my favourite 
technological oh. stories. Bluetooth. Do you know where the word Bluetooth comes from? Tell me. Bluetooth was named after a king from the 10th century who was Harold Gormson or Harold I of Denmark. And he, for reasons I haven't been able to ascertain, had a nickname of Bluetooth. Perhaps he had one rotten tooth at the front. Anyway, he was known for his unification of warring tribes. Um, essentially, and uh, from Denmark primarily. And so because he unified people and brought them together, those who were working on um, unifying networks and devices, etc., chose his name because they thought Bluetooth was perfect metaphor for unifying things. That's extraordinary. Isn't that great? I love that. Yeah. Back to a Viking king of the 10th century, the, wow. modern, the most modern technology. While we're on these things, just a couple of quickies before we have our break. Uh, yeah. Wi-Fi... Uh, I've heard of hi-fi. When I was brought up, hi-fi, high fidelity. What's Wi-Fi stand for? Wi-Fi, I was thinking of wiki then, because wiki comes from the Hawaiian for quickly, quickly. Um, But hi-fi was wireless, and then... We don't really know the Fi bit. It was, it was a riff on hi-fi, really. Um, so, and so, so high just, fidelity, wireless yeah. fidelity. That's the yes, idea. wireless fidelity, etc. Yes. And I call my mobile a mobile or an iPhone, but in America they call it a cell phone. Why is that? Mm. Um, do you know, I'm not sure about that, actually. I don't know. I know that if you have you ever had that thing where you're waiting for a message or you're waiting for a call and you have a kind of phantom buzzing or vibrating in your in your pocket or on your desk. Indeed. Have you had that? In America, they call that faux cell alarm. Faux cell alarm. It's a faux cell alarm. I like oh, that. That's brilliant. We've got to take a break now for two reasons. One, I need to nip to the loo. The other, it's time for a break. But before the break, I'm going to give you one of my 20-second poems. Hand-washing poems. Hand-washing poem, because I shall be washing my hands very thoroughly. And, uh, you know, they've got this rule now that we've got to wash them top and bottom, inside and out, for a good 20 seconds. And we were at first advised to sing Happy Birthday twice. And that's a bit boring. And so I've been researching poems that last 20 seconds or so. And I've mm-hmm. come across one that I think's rather a good one. And most people will know the words, but they won't know all the words. The words, they're really lyrics. They're by Arthur Kent and Sylvia D. But you'll associate them with two other people. I'm going to recite this as a poem, but you'll be wanting to sing it. Okay. Bring me sunshine in your mm-hmm. smile. Bring me laughter all the while. In this world where we live, there should be more happiness, so much joy you can give to each brand new bright tomorrow. Make me happy through the years. Never bring me any tears. Let your arms be as warm as the sun from up above. Bring me fun. Bring me sunshine. Bring me love. That's beautiful. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed with mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Welcome back to Something Rhymes with Purple, where my co-host Jazz Brandreth has just had a good Jimmy Riddle, I hope. 
Thank you very much for sharing that. But I also, <laughs> more importantly, I had a very satisfying 20 seconds singing Bring Me Sunshine to Myself while yes. washing my hands most I didn't know where thoroughly. that one was going. So I didn't know where that one was going. My wife's been saying that for years and lift the seat. <laughs> Let's move on. Back to uh, technology and telephones, etc. just because that's what we're using. And um, hopefully it sounds OK. Thank you for being with us and being with us in your respective houses. Um, hopefully having a bit of sunshine poured your way. Um, just a few things that I have, questions that I have for you, Giles, actually, if you've ever thought about them. Do you know where BIT comes from? BIT. Yes, the kind of basic building block of computing, bits and bytes. Oh, I've heard of those, as opposed to a bit on the side, a bit in your computer. I've no idea where it comes from. I suppose it's a bit of technology. When when they developed the earliest computer languages, binary emerged as the simplest and most effective language. It was a language, really, it is, to operate computers. And a bit is simply a contraction of binary digit. When I was a child, a digit was what you used to change the television channels. You know, it was your finger. Um, yes. So, I mean, binary digits means well, nothing still, to me. Yeah, it's still related to, to your finger and counting, etc. Uh, because we practised on our fingers. A practice counting on our fingers, which is where the idea of, um, of numbers comes from. Anyway, this one I think I'll just glide over because I'm not sure I completely understand. I, I can see where this word comes from, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Modem. Modem. I've heard of a modem. Don't know what it yes. does. Is Any idea does. where it comes from? No idea. Okay. Well, it was coined in the days when computers communicated by converting numbers into sounds that could then be transmitted over a regular phone line. And at each end, you needed a modulator to generate the sounds that were being transmitted and a demodulator to convert the received sounds back into numbers. hope I've got that right. So modem is from modulator, demodulator. So the MO of modulator and the DEM of demodulator. Never mind. Okay, well, it's quite interesting, though, because today's devices aren't modems at all because they communicate digitally. But, you know, we have so many phrases which look back to old technology, but the language hasn't moved on. So we still dial a number on our phones. Yes. We still hang up. A phone might be off the hook. But of course, none of us, well, apart from the Queen, are using those kind of phones. And I had a lesson the other day asking where on the blower comes from. And that's because that slang term comes from a kind of mechanical precursor to the telephone, which was the speaking tube. And at each end of that was stoppered with a whistle. And in order to attract the attention of the person at the other end, you took out your stopper and you blew down the tube to make the whistle sound. To summon the listener. Isn't that brilliant? It is a brilliant. Are, are you old yeah. enough to remember those public telephones where there was press button A and press button B? No. Uh, well, I might be old enough, but I don't remember those. Well, no, probably you're not. When I was a student, we had telephone booths. You went into the telephone booth and you had to pay, you had to put coins in to make it work. And you yeah, would ring the person and if they answered, you um, pressed button A and then your money went into the uh, machine, you know, whatever the cost, call of the cost. You're yeah. Too, your tuppence went in. But if yeah. they didn't answer, if it was engaged, you could press button out. B and that would return your money to you. Ah. So you, you picked up a receiver, press button A, press button B. OK, that's quite nice. I mean, it's amazing, really, how far we've moved on. And yet, you know, this is another old word that we're using for new technology or the, the product of new technology, like spam. I mean, everyone hates spam 
spam, both in its computer form and I'm assuming its kind of rubbery pink form. If people Curiously, not everyone hates spam. Oh, really? Not everyone hates spam. Again, okay. going back to my childhood, a sliver of spam on toast and then itself gently uh, heated under the grill could be delicious. Okay. So don't, don't knock spam. But I think I it became... Became popular, well, of necessity during the Second World War, and in the yes. 1950s, we used to have spam sandwiches. But is, is spam the same as luncheon meat? It's very similar. Yes, it's the same okay. sort of thing. It's it's meat crushed together. I mean, I, I hate to think what was in the worst of the spams. <laughs> but the, well, the computer spam is what? takes its name from the Monty Python sketch. Do you remember that set in a cafe and the menu's completely spam-centric? Ah. So the characters, and I think it's a chorus of Vikings are in there, they break out into a song which consists almost entirely of the word spam, yeah. thus kind of spamming this whole dialogue. And and so that obviously that was a commentary on the canned meats during, um, yeah, anyway, during that time. But it made its way into the computer world as the kind of annoying influx of unwanted mail or so ads we, or whatever you get. Forgive me, we owe the word computer spam basically yes. to the Monty Python people. We do. How amazing! Because they were all great, born in the late 1930s, early 1940s. They, they were no all brought well. up on spam, hence it being yeah. such a good joke for them. And they were, many of them, they were students together and they will, in their student lodgings, have been dining on spam. Yeah. Any more? Yeah, one last one. Uh, trolls. We hate We hate trolls on social media, well, any, any kind of troll. But it's not quite as simple as the ugly, annoying monsters that you will get in Norse mythology. I mean, that's probably a part of it. But there's another form of the word which refers to a fishing technique in which bait is slowly dragged behind a boat to hook unwary fish, which is quite similar to where an internet troll will feed out bait for other users to react to. And that's probably an analogy there. We're not completely sure, but that's our our best bet. Oh, interesting. Mm. What's the difference between trolling... And trolling. Uh, there was a character on television, uh, a performer called Dick Emery, and he uh-huh. used to dress up uh, in drag and was very amusing. And he would talk about trolling along the streets as though he was, you know, <laughs> trolling himself in order to attract attention. That, oh. What's the origin of that kind of trolling? I don't know. I've, I've not really heard of that kind, but I'm oh. looking it up for you. I have to look at the OED because this is something okay. that don't feel old, but the, this sounds like it's a historical I know, <laughs> sense. Everything. Though. I'm here for, I'm vintage. You're cutting edge. The joy oh, no, of something okay. rhymes with anyway. purple is we're as modern as tomorrow with a lot of time for yesterday. I'm yesterday, right. she's tomorrow. 14th century. <laughs> Thank you. 14th century was to move a walkabout, to ramble, saunter, stroll. Generally derived from an old French trolley, a hunting term, to quest, to go in quest of game. Um, in other words, you go out, you're not completely sure you're going to actually get your quarry, but you, you sort of walk about and ramble with the hope of getting it. So I guess that's where it comes from. Great. Um, um, interesting. I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching me that there one. Are. Well, let's trot along now and see if we've got any interesting correspondence. Um, okay. Pe- people communicate with us by emailing us at purple at something else.com. That's purple at something else.com. Something without a G. A lot of people have been writing about grockles, grockles. Uh, a few weeks ago, Sam Cox emailed to uh, uh, inquire about using the term grockles for visitors to Dorset. 
And lots of people have been in touch to say the term isn't confined to Dorset. Chris Hughes says that um, public school boys in Fleetwood, Lancashire, would use the derogatory term when referring to the town's residents, i.e. the non-pupils at the school. Ah, the grockles. Tracy Thompson also says the term was rife in Pembrokeshire, again referring to tourists visiting the holiday destinations. Uh, That's interesting. I think I mentioned that my dad uses it a lot and he's in Devon. So it's quite widespread, I think. Well, in a similar vein, Danny Strickland wrote to say that the East Yorkshire locals would refer to the West Yorkshire weekenders to their coastlines as comforts or people who, uh, yeah, uh, comfort day, you see, get it? Comforts. Comfort day. I like that. Okay, comfort day. That's better. You can do the Yorkshire accent. (laughs) I used to do it, but then people complained. Yeah, Um, well, likewise. I don't think that was very Yorkshire. Um, Another correspondent, Andrew Snowden, he concurs, where he grew up in Lincolnshire, visitors to the holiday parks would be called comforts because they'd arrive and announce they'd comfort caravan. They'd comfort Uh, caravan. Okay, hmm. any, any correspondence come your way? There's a lovely one from Dan, uh, who doesn't give his second name, but he says when he wanted to increase the sound of his TV the other day, he got him thinking about the word volume. And he thought of three different instances of the word volume, the volume of a sound, the volume of space inside a 3D shape and a volume of books, TV shows, etc. And so he's wondering whether they're all linked. And they are. I love this etymology because it goes back such a long way to the Latin volumen, which was um, essentially a roll. And it was a roll of parchment, really. And then from that to the roll of parchment containing any kind of written matter, it came to mean the amount or quantity of something, as well as the amount of space that something occupies. And from this idea of fullness or expansive thickness of something, it moved from parchment or from anything physical to the idea of noise and sound. Mm. So very, very old. Brilliant. Well, this is an interesting one. one. Many happy Mm -hmm. returns from Luke Lammy. Today, I wish my friend a happy birthday. I also said many happy returns. I'm sure there's a longer phrase that's based on, but I have no idea where it comes from and the actual meaning behind it. Do you have a Scooby-Doo, please? (laughs) Do we have a Scooby-Doo clue? Well, I've just always thought many happy returns is simply saying, please, may your birthday return many times. In other words, may you live to a grand old age. I don't know about a fuller, I'm just looking this up in the OED, I don't know about a fuller, um, I mean, apart from many happy returns of the day, which is the fuller version that I know. um, Here we go, 1714. uh, First record that the Oxford English Dictionary has is, and to wish we may see many returns of this day, many happy new years. So actually it wasn't always about the birthday, um, but it is about, you know, wishing that this is such a special day. May we have lots of them. Um, With reference to birthdays, it's, you know, may, may you live long. Well, many happy returns. And thank you, Luke from Manchester, who adds age 41 and three quarters. (laughs) Sarah Cohen has been in touch. What is the source of cabal? Mm. Is it an acronym or perhaps the OG backronym of the initials of the instigators of a treasonous plot? Or was Mm. that meaning tacked on later? She's, I think, referring to the acronym from... Charles II's ministry, there was Clifford, Arlington, was it Arlington yeah, or Buckingham, Allingham, Buckingham, Ashley, Ashley Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Yes. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so the, the cabal was a committee of those five ministers onto 
Charles II. And that is probably where we get the idea of a kind of group of people coming together, perhaps in conspiracy uh, or perhaps just, you know, getting together to discuss one particular thing. So it's probable that they did inform the meaning of cabal. But the first recorded use of the word was in reference to the Kabbalah, which was the ancient Jewish tradition. It's it's a kind of mystical interpretation of the Bible, isn't it, really? So that, that was the kind of first recorded use of it. But in terms of the modern sense of cabal, I think that committee definitely did inform the idea of this kind of secret political clique or faction. Good, that's an old word. What are the new words you've got for us? What are Susie's trio for this week? My trio, okay, I've mentioned false alarm, so that was going to be one of them, so I'm going to do something else now. I'm going to do... I was going to talk about biscuits because I don't know about you, being stuck indoors quite a lot, I'm getting more and more peckish. Mm-hmm. I don't I'm not I don't feel particularly bored, but I do seem to be going to the fridge a bit more than I used to, or the cupboards. Is that happening to you? I'm afraid it is. I'm afraid okay. I'm I am weighing myself every day. I've oh, tried yeah. actually to create a good routine. I'm yeah. I'm trying to ration myself in several ways. I'm rationing myself when it comes to news. I'm trying oh, only to really watch or listen to the news twice a day because it's just too much. It's overwhelming otherwise. And I'm trying to ration myself on the treats. So I'm only allowing myself a certain number of biscuits a day. Treats an hour. Packets a day. (laughs) Well, talking about biscuits, if you came away from your cupboard with two handfuls of biscuits, you could call them a galpen, which is G-O-W-P-E-N. So two handfuls of something, (laughs) a double handful is a galpen, and I know lots of people will be sniggering at this one. And what is within your hand, so say there were five digestive biscuits, those will be known as your yepsen. So that's what's occupying the space of your galpen, your yepsen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Old dialect words, those, and both very useful in my house. So the second one is, um, I mean, we've all got to be kind, haven't we, at this time? So I'm not sure I've chosen this one particularly well, but it makes me laugh and we all need laughs as well. And it's, um, you know, we talk about people being a plonker, mm-hmm. um, famously Del Boy from Only Fools and Horses, the British TV series. Well, this is quite similar. It's a pronk. A pronk is a weak or slightly foolish person that came from Dutch. But the reason I chose it is it's also a verb to pronk, where it means something very different. It's to leap in the air like a springbok. Mm. So if your alarm goes off, you know, when things return to normal and we all go out to work and you set your alarm, if you are suddenly kind of woken with a, with a terrible start, you might pronk and leap in the air like a springbok. It's just, I mean, how often are we going to use that word? Not often, but I do love it. But when the moment comes, we'll use it. How wonderful to have When the moment comes, yeah. yes, we, we, we will use it. So that's my second one. And um, hairdressers are not working at the moment, are they? So we've all got to look after our own hair, which for some of us, it's going to be quite tricky. It's not recommended that you ask for the services of this person when you next go into your hairdresser, but it's just quite a nice old-fashioned Roman word for someone who shampoos your hair, and that's a tractatrix. So it's an old job title, tractatrix, T-R-A-C-T-A-T-R-A-I-X. Again, you're not going to be able to use it, but it just seems quite relevant for today. A tractatrix. Attractatrix. I'm going to become a self-attractatrix. I found a, a website online yes. that's yes. going to teach me how to cut my own hair. So <gasps> I, have, I need that too. I've sent off for scissors and a little shaver thing, and mm-hmm. I'm going to have a go at cutting my own hair. 
And okay. uh, um, I, I may stream it on Instagram as an object <laughs> lesson to others on how not to yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to mine. Thank um, you. By, by the way, can I... I'm just going to mention yeah. shampoo because that actually used to be part of a Turkish bath process and it comes from um, Hindi for massaging. So it comes from campo in Hindi, which was to press. So originally you'd be massaging your body rather than lathering your hair. So don't forget to do that before you cut your hair. Very good. We will do that. Thank you, by the way, for your daily uh, tweets of wonderful words. I follow you on Twitter. Remind me of your mm-hmm. Twitter handle? At CZ underscore Dent. And I'm doing a daily tweet now. There's been demand for me to revive my jumpers. Desperate times call for oh, desperate measures. Yes. So I've been to the basement. I've fought my way through the mothballs and <laughs> I have unearthed boxes of jumpers. So every day I'm putting on a different jumper and I'm reciting a different poem. And I'm putting it on Instagram and on Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at GilesB1, G-Y-L-E-S-B1. So there's a little poem a day and a jumper a day. And for my quotation of the week, I've chosen a little quotation that is, in fact, a short poem, because you said we need need to laugh if we can. And I think one of the funniest women of all time was the late, great Dorothy Parker. Yes. An American writer, poet, wit. And uh, she had a problem. I like to have a martini, two at the very most. After three, I'm under the table. After four, I'm under the host. <laughs> so, that reminds uh, me of the Dutch feast. Do you remember that one? That's a feast at which the host gets drunk before oh, the yes. guests. I oh, love that. She was Dutch great, feasts. Dorothy Parker. She was very, she was great. She was great. You're great, Susie. We're going to meet again next Tuesday. I don't know what we're going to talk we about then. We'll see. Uh, see how we are. Don't forget to give us a nice review or recommend us to a friend if you've enjoyed this. And if you have a question you'd like to answer or you'd like to get in touch in any way, you can do so. Emailing us at purple at something else.com. That's something else.com without a G. Something Rhymes With Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Lawrence Bassett with additional production from Steve Ackerman, Jemima Rathbone, Grace Laker and someone who's got a very long beard because I did FaceTime me recently but who has managed to set us up brilliantly here uh, remotely um, and of course it is none other than Gully. Gully. And I have to say his beard is magnificent. He looks like a, a young Gulliver. George Bernard Shaw and at last after doing this for a year and more than 50 episodes, I've discovered what he does. We couldn't do it without him. He is the no. technical whiz. He is the he is. leader of our band. Anyway, Gully, Giles, thank you. you yes. know that old-time-honoured way of saying goodbye at the end of a phone call? Oh, yes. I'm going to say it to you now. That is all. That is all. Cheerio. <laughs>